0: You're listening to Strictly Business Podcast with Lindsay Williams. It's Wednesday, so it's time to talk to Joanne Baynham, who's a wealth manager at Sterling Private Wealth in Cape Town. I must say, Joanne, I can't even believe that it's September the 1st already. As I used to say to my sound engineer in Cape Town, we're into the burrs already, September, October, November, December. And it almost feels as though you should start getting the Christmas tree out and saying, well, what? an earth happened this year and at the moment we're saying in south africa what on earth happened for the june year end and half year end companies because there's been masses of results the most notable process and uh, nasperce buying a company the 4.7 billion dollar <laughs> deal and it was absolutely massive and this, and the market participants loved it
1: they did i think they're just so happy to take their mind off ten cent for a moment um something called build desk build desk, desk, desk that's it yes that, that's right it's an indian company and data and it's it's quite a big deal and i just think the market are thinking "Whoa, oh, what a relief!" it's not just all about china because remember that's what process was supposed to be doing right yeah because if you think about the management teams they're supposed to be incentivized x 10 cent so you kind of want them to start finding new things to do so yeah, probably good news given all the bad news around the share at the moment.
0: Yes, I think they shrugged that off. And what also impressed me was the fact that the Chinese authorities uh, have limited uh, a, a certain age group to only three hours a week uh, gaming. How they uh, police that, I don't know. But if if anyone can police that sort of, uh, uh, what's it? Called? It's not draconian, I suppose. If if anyone can police that, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, Joanne, please help Well, me um in.
1: Policy, policy. Socialism, policy. Yeah, policy. I mean, yes, the Chinese can do that. Mm, they can do um, it. It's,
0: it's one hour a week, uh, sorry, three hours a week on a Friday, Saturday, Sunday. And if there's a public holiday, they can also have an hour. Uh, but they will do it. Uh, but the 10 cent share price reacted not a bit negatively anyway to this and uh, so away we go so i was quite impressed with the way the market reacted yesterday to the announcement of the build desk deal and also the increase in uh, delivery hero stake Uh, so people seem to have this money waiting on the sidelines to get into process and Nasper's process in particular
1: well look it's come off a lot so you can understand that a lot of people are buying in i believe the chinese themselves are buying in at the moment There was Mm. some article on bloomberg this morning said the chinese were starting to aggressively buy Tencent after the falls. But, you know, I saw something from George Soros this week on China and regulation, and he's just saying I'm going to stay far away because Mm. he doesn't like what China's doing. So it's it's still very much up in the air. You know, you're going to have bottom of fishing on these stocks, but it's certainly not clear cut yet whether you want to be aggressively buying Tencent or not. Look, the valuation is much more attractive. That's incredibly obvious. Um, But what happens to earnings? You know, if you take a company that used to be able to, The teenagers could game whatever they like. It's now three hours a week. That's going to have an impact. But but equally, Tencent isn't all about gaming. There are other opportunities within Tencent. It is an investment trust that holds lots of other holdings. If you look at their financials, I think we spoke about this last week, a lot of the money also came from their underlying holdings. So it's not all about gaming. But yes, I mean, you'd imagine that would be pretty bad news. But again, you know, it's in the price. (laughs) It's not like the share hasn't fallen. And the share's fallen quite aggressively. What
0: about the psychology of what we've seen over the last two days, though? On the day of the announcement, the two announcements, um, Delivery Hero and Build Desk, the, the share price was up something like 5 to 5.5%. Five both of them were, in, in, in fact. And then today, they've also gone up. So that means that uh, people are saying, OK, that was a knee-jerk reaction, maybe. But on the other hand, uh, there's still some, cement, some momentum. So we can't really ignore this thing. Whereas sometimes when these massive deals come along, people say, well, I actually don't know what bill desk is. So let's be a, little bit, um, a little, little bit wary of it until we can understand the deal uh, properly. This time, it's all guns blazing just by the thing.
1: Well, I think they're just so, as I said earlier, I just think they're so relieved that they're not all about China. This is a big Indian acquisition, and it's in digital, and it makes them one of the biggest in the world now in terms of the payment story. So, you know, maybe when they start doing more homework, they'll Discover, it's not quite as good as it looks. But right now, I think people are just so relieved (laughs) not to be talking about Tencent and gaming and Chinese regulation. Who knows? This might be a very different story in a week's time. I haven't really looked at the deal in great detail, but from the optics, it looks pretty impressive.
0: But from a general point of view, do you think that also they they had that uh, money that was uh, retrieved from the sale of Tencent, uh, a certain stake in cent. it may have been burning a hole in their pockets. And you know that shareholders don't like that sort of thing. So this deal, they say, oh, goodness me, they're actually being proactive. They're here. doing they're, something. Yeah, they're not buying well, think- shares back. They're not, they're not paying out special dividends or increasing their dividend. They're actually just going out and increasing their stakes in certain areas that they like, i.e. payments, fintech, and uh, as we know, gaming and everything else. So I, I think that's, that's part of the reason, Joanne.
1: Yeah, I think that's true. I think, look, a lot of people look at Tencent as like an incubator fund, buying lots of holdings in different companies. This is a fairly large one, so it's not quite the incubator side of things. But I think you're spot on, Lindsay. I think it's don't sit in the cash for too long. Do something with the money mm. and don't be all about 10 cents. So it's diversifying the company, which I think people are just grabbing hold of at the moment. As I say, time will tell. If you recall, when they originally sold their 10 cent stake down – the markets were saying, what on earth are you doing? What are you going to do with the money? Will you ever find anything better to do with the money? Why are you being so stupid? Do you remember? Yes, <laughs> I sure remember do. that. Yeah. And, and now they're going, oh, isn't this fabulous? You sold it to 26% higher than the current share price. Well done. You're brilliant. Markets are fickle. And, yes. But your point is valid. They don't want this thing on cash. They're paying management a lot of money. They want management to do something. And this, as I said, takes their eye away purely from China. It puts into something else. I think that's what the market is euphoric about at the moment. But tomorrow it might change again. These markets are very jittery around China at the moment. You know, I think a lot of the Chinese rhetoric coming out is frankly quite worrying. And it's moving further and further away from capitalism. I, I find their, their comments quite worrying at the moment. I really do.
0: Yeah, and it's not as if it's just a once-off. It, it, it seems to be becoming more and more regular. It seems to me that uh, President Xi is becoming more and more dictatorial. And I don't know if that's I don't know if that's a, a trend from I don't know if dictators start out as quite nice chaps and then go on and become nasty people. But it seems to me he said to himself, I'm president for life now. I can do what I like. And he's directing people in that in, in that direction. Is that is that is that look, too dramatic? I mean,
1: I, on a very philosophical note, we, we know at the world at the moment Capitalism isn't really working. OK, so if we just go back a step and look at what central banks have been doing for the last couple of years. Income inequality has grown massively around the world ever since sort of 08 and what we've seen central banks do. Even COVID has made it worse from education levels to the people who, you know, support you in a shopping center can't stay at home. But people who are in the sort of financial services can. You've even seen in those industries massive differences in salary increases. So we have got a world where income inequality is massively increasing and capitalism is a large part of that. Maybe China's saying we don't want that as our business model. And maybe we want it to be fairer to everyone. You know, if, if you're a street sweeper in China today, you're probably thinking you like what a lot of these things are. If you're a massive capitalist earning a lot of money and not paying a lot of tax, you're probably very worried. But, but equally, something's not right in the global system. So maybe China's making some good ideas. But as a person who's a shareholder in that country, I'm getting nervous because they're not on my side anymore. And that's something we have to be honest about.
0: Yeah, I'm so also- I agree with
1: you. I think he's becoming more dictatorial, but he's also coming about, you know, evening out the spoils. So it depends which side of the fence you're sitting as whether it's a good thing or a bad thing. I guess.
0: Yeah, and no, we're not going to talk about politics now. And them taking advantage of the fact that the U.S. political system and the whole country is now fractured <coughs> and splintered. I don't know. I, I'm, I don't want to get into politics too much, but it seems to me America is—it's not a laughing stock, but people are looking at it and saying. You're no longer the power that you were. You're still the biggest uh, so-called superpower in the world. But on the other hand, you're just losing it a little bit. And that's evidenced by the last two presidents. The current president, who I think is sort of waning a little bit. And uh, obviously we know the story about Donald Trump, who was a complete and utter total disaster um but anyway let's talk about south africa now because just, just
1: uh, sorry mm. I, and the interesting story i don't know if you saw it on twitter but or just read in the newspapers but i see uh putin is saying that he won't force vaccines on people and he won't force vaccine passports whoever thought that russia would be the country coming out saying you know treat people like adults and see what they want to do with their lives and yet the rest of the world are telling you exactly how to do things i mean if you look today at Australia and New Zealand, it's a complete and utter basket case in terms of where they're running that country. It's truly frightening that people have no, uh, they have no rights anymore. Um, what the police are doing in that country is just, is just disturbing, to put it plainly. Okay, well, this is so, disturbing. Yes, politics are interesting at the moment.
0: This is disturbing. Florida, okay. Have you seen the spike in cases in Florida where they don't have to wear masks and uh, where the, there's a Republican governor there and they, they've now got mobile morgues in Florida, okay. And I know you're an anti-vaxxer and you like people to have their freedom. No, no, hang
1: on. No, no, no. Hang on. Whoa, Lindsay. It's very important, this. I'm not an anti-vaxxer. I'm a pro-choice. <laughs> and it's very, very... No, that's attention. such a fudge. No, it's that not. That is such no, it's a fence-sitting fudge, No, it's Joanne. not. It's not because... It, it is. Why it's not, I have been vaccinated and I will get my second vaccination. Yes. Okay? So so that's why I'm saying to you it's not a I've done it and I will do it for myself and I will do it because for various reasons, Okay. But I'm saying for children under the age of 18 who have almost no chance of dying from this thing, the, the, the story is a lot more complicated. I don't, I don't want to get into COVID. They can pass about it on, it. though. That's but, the but, thing. Yeah, but you, by the way, so can you do that when you're vaccinated? And yes, the viral load might be less. But look, the argument's really nuanced. All I'm saying is there's a huge distinction between anti-vaxxers and pro-choices. And I can understand someone with a five-year-old child. That it's not at risk of that child dying, saying, I don't want to put a vaccine into my kid. So the, the argument is very nuanced, okay? Back to Florida, you say the numbers are picking up. They're also picking up massively in Israel. So Israel, I think yesterday reported like 10,000 cases. They are practically 80, 90% vaccinated. And they're now saying you need a third vaccination.
0: Yeah, why not? If so you, if that'll so help them,
1: why not? You, no, no, completely. And I think, look, Lindsay, the reality is everybody wants to get on with their lives. OK, we want to get on with our lives. I, they've now come and said natural immunity is actually better than a vaccine. There's another bizarre concept for you. We want to get on with our lives, we want to get economies back on track. We just want to be normal again. And whether that means the introverts can all stay at home, that's great. But the extroverts might want to get on with their lives and want to travel again. So I, there's a very distinct, clear distinction between active, active, and pro- pro-choice i've had my vaccines and i will have my second
0: i don't so. think that wearing yes. a mask or having a having an injection in my right or left arm is really impinging upon my lifestyle it, it's really not and i think people make too much of it i saw a really really good uh, cartoon yesterday uh, joanne and it's, it was a, it's a, a black and white sort of a, a pencil sketch and there's a chap sitting on his laptop like you and i are at the moment and he's and he his wife or his partner is walking out, out the room and he says come back honey or something and I've just, found some, I've just found some research that all the medical experts and the uh, doctors and the um, scientists have missed. And it was basically saying that people are reading too much, uh, too much anti um, or rather fake news when it comes to what's, what's going on and saying that they are suddenly the experts because they read something on the Internet. And it, I thought it was actually very impactful. So we mustn't talk about that. Let's talk, <laughs> let's talk about <laughs> <laughs> South Africa's Seasonally Adjusted Purchasing Purchasing Managers Index recovered in August after a steep drop last month when arson and looting gripped parts of the country. We know about that. It rose to 57.9 points in August from 43.5 in July. That really is a very big move. And okay, this is just a few people that are being surveyed. It's not not real stuff. It's uh, people saying, well, we are going to do this and we might do that, but that can change on a ticky, as they say, in South Africa. But when you have a look at that and you have a look at some of the results coming out of SA companies this week, and indeed this last two, three weeks, maybe, maybe there is a recovery on the go here. What do you think?
1: Well, I mean, there would be a recovery because purely the base effect, if nothing else. Uh, you know, the economy isn't, hasn't completely collapsed. But I'm saying to you on a, on a five-year view, I continue to be worried about South Africa. The next of so these set of numbers and last year's set of numbers don't really tell a full story. South Africa's economy isn't back to where it was in 2019. you know, And we've got, a, as, as we know you and I have discussed at length, a massive unemployment problem and a huge unemployment problem in the youth. Not to mention our education system is a joke. The children in this country can't read and write when they're 12 years old. These are massive problems mm-hmm. and they don't go away on a 12-month or two-year view. So I, I still think that, and I know people get upset when I say this, but I think when you look at a client's portfolio – you can have some South African shares in there. Absolutely, you can. You can buy a few small caps because, you know, they can go up and down. There's a bit of m activity and it's ex- quite exciting. But on a global, port- on a total look-through portfolio, you know, I still want access to the good quality companies offshore. So you don't just want to have South African shares in your portfolio. In fact, you know, this ridiculous Regulation 28 that only lets you have 30% offshore is just ridiculous because, There's not enough South African shares to put 70% of the rest. You want more reach than that. So, yes, South African shares can have good earnings. And I've seen articles that price to books of SA banks are really cheap. A lot of these things are true, but it's a trade. Is it a long-term buy and hold? And that is something I struggle with.
0: Yeah. I think you're right. I think there's a a massive bounce back and it depends what trend uh, emerges, uh, not just in South Africa, but globally and probably more importantly, globally. And um, if if the trend continues, then fine, go with it. But are there companies that can take advantage of it? Uh, I I just don't know. I I think it's a a very, very interesting um, post uh, pandemic environment that we're going through now. And investors that get it right will get it very, very right. And those that don't will be left in the doldrums.
1: Look, I think these markets are incredibly difficult at the moment,
0: mm.
1: uh, and we've got. And it remains a difficult market because valuations are not on your side. So let's talk, not talk about South Africa on its own because we're just one of many stock markets in the world. If you look at global stock markets, valuations are not on your side, particularly in the US. It's expensive, but then you've got this ridiculous story that the Fed doesn't seem to be in any any hurry to taper or even remotely even think about raising interest rates, okay? So you still have a huge amount of liquidity under to stock markets. And where else do you put your money? So on the one side, you're saying common sense says, I don't want to buy these things, getting too expensive. And the other side of the portfolio, you're going, well, well, I don't want to sit in cash because that's going backwards. And I certainly don't want to buy U.S. Treasuries because that gives me no yield. So it remains very, very tricky markets. And yes, you will find the odd stock picking opportunity. But on a very broad level, Asset allocation is very difficult at the moment
0: okay on that note uh, we've we've achieved absolutely nothing during this conversation <laughs>
1: <laughs> thanks Lindsay. I, I think you know i think what we have achieved is
0: yes.
1: you know if you're going to take a vaccine do it for your good reasons yeah. and i am pro-choice not anti-vaxxer i think what we've also achieved is if a client is risk adverse then you should be thinking more about capital preservation at the moment and if yeah. a client has a long-term time frame then don't try and time the markets because, quite frankly, at the moment, it's just too difficult to do.
0: You can't do it. Uh, but at the same time, here we are with the S&P, uh, the NASDAQ and the Dow Jones at nearly all-time record highs. So you've just got to stay, as somebody always says to me, trade what you see on the screen. In other words, just, uh, don't don't fight it. It's, it's just going up right now. The JSE has lagged a little bit compared to its American uh, peers. But on the other hand, it's also not doing too badly. So, Yeah i don't think we should overthink it but um yes your, your point is well made markets are very difficult right now and i think for, well, I... The, for the last four months of this year there'll be even more uh, i won't say difficult but uh, interesting let's put it that way
1: well look i think what we had last year was the markets fell quite aggressively and then bounced hugely afterwards but from an economic growth perspective we saw terrible economic numbers last year then we've seen fantastic economic numbers this year from a base effect the big question, as you pointed out earlier, Lindsay, is what happens in 2022? And does, is it sustainable? Do we see economic growth continue to rally like we've seen this year? And I think that's bands the really difficult question, because do you stick with the winners of the last 10 years, which mean your growth quality companies, which have been underpinned by loose liquidity? Or do you start saying, well, I think economic growth is going to turn around now eventually, ignoring the base effect in last year and this year together. But from a 2019 to 2022 perspective, are we seeing stronger growth globally? And there is huge fiscal spending coming through. And maybe governments are finally waking up to the fact that there's huge income inequality in the world. Yeah. And we've got to sort of link, that money has to falter down. And if that money falters down, a lot of value companies will do very well. So yes, um, well, time will tell. But, but I think human resilience is pretty powerful. And I think people want to get on with their lives. So I'm in the camp of things get better.
0: Okay, very good. Uh, great insight. Thanks very much, Joanne. Joanne Bain is from Sterling Private Wealth in the Western Cape. The views and opinions expressed in these podcasts are those of Lindsay Williams and various contributors and do not reflect the policy position